0: Number one, they have a catastrophic relationship failure because they didn't nurture the relationship along the way because they just needed to get to some place and then they were going to make everything okay. I mean, everybody's heard the story or they have a catastrophic health event. You know, people are having heart attacks and strokes in their late 30s and early 40s. That's all preventable. You know, just when you're getting your momentum, then you blow yourself up. Forget about it. Or financial ruin. Go all in on something, trying to get something back or try to keep running at the pace at the front. And you, you risk everything, and you ultimately suffer the fate of that. So that's 100% garbage. Thank the you. Idea, it is. It's unadulterated garbage.
1: Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, where being a high achiever doesn't necessarily equate to being an effective leader. Let's check to see if you're in the right place. If you're rising through the ranks of your organization so fast that your leadership skills need to grow as fast as your responsibilities, you're in the right place. If it seems you need different skills to lead your team or lead from within a group of talented competitive peers, you're in the right place. If you're looking to become a trusted advisor to the CEO, you are definitely in the right place. So now that we know that you're in the right place, enjoy today's conversation. Before we begin the show, I have something for you. The Rising Leader Handbook is going to be published in October of this year. But you don't have to wait. If you go to my website, www.markjsilverman.com, click the red button, you can get an advanced copy of the executive summary of the Rising Leader Handbook. In the same place, you can get a copy of Only Tense. Love to get your feedback. Now on with the show. So I was working with uh, my, my book coach and publisher, Patty Hall. And we're feverishly working. By the time you listen to this, everything that I owe Patty should be into the publisher and ready to go. That's my commitment to you. And she was saying, you know, there's there's this guy that I'm working with that I really think should be on your podcast. He's kind of he's kind of like the coach's coach. He's like he's like the guy. And I had never heard of him, and I know everybody in the industry. So I said, absolutely, Patty, I trust you. He should be on my podcast. But nothing happened to it yet because he's working on a book. I'm working on a book. We're we're doing the thing. And then my friend, James Whitaker of the Win the Day podcast, texts me and says, you should have Dr. Jeff Spencer on your podcast. I'm like, funny, funny. He should say that because Patty said the same thing. So we did the emails and and Jeff is going to be here on the podcast once I let him talk. The thing for me is I'm anti-hustle and grind. Culture. I don't like people who are balls to the wall. Success is everything. You have to have a champion mindset or you're nothing kind of people. So, even though I trusted them to have him on my podcast, because I've had Navy SEALs, I've had champions on my podcast, I did my research. I said yes. Then I did my research and I found out that this man is the real deal. He He is the guy who is going to help you be successful in every area of your life. Not only are you going to achieve your goals, your dreams, you know, that vision, but you're going to do it with your soul intact. That's the kind of guy I want to bring to you on the podcast. Officially, Dr. Jeff Spencer has spent over 300,000 hours amassing his capacity to find what's missing in the lives of established founders, visionaries, and creatives to help them perform at their full potential anytime, place, under any circumstances. Wouldn't that be great? His depth of understanding, pinpoint accuracy, and surreal outcomes come from his experience as an Olympic cyclist, author, hot glass artist—which is the coolest thing—I always wanted to learn that. Sports scientist, doctor, husband, and and a father—to help some of the most accomplished individuals, teams, and organizations of our era become iconic brands. He's helped athletes win over forty gold medals. So this is this guy knows mindset. This guy knows how to free you up. He's worked with executives in their industries and artists to become household names. So when I when I meet new coaches and, and we say, who's your dream co- client? They'll say, Tiger Woods, Richard Branson. And I'm like, yeah, they don't need you, right? They need this guy. Dave Asprey of Bulletproof are, are people who have worked with Dr. Jeff Spencer. His proudest achievement though is raising his adopted daughter, Kin, with his wife, christina which i think is amazing now i get to let you talk jeff thanks for being here
0: such a pleasure mark and uh just thinking i actually i did all that all right yes I, I did so in any event thanks for the invitation it's just such a pleasure to be here
1: you give it you've been doing you've been doing this for decades Three hundred thousand hours i've been doing this for a decade and when i look over my accomplishments they always say you know you overestimate what you can do in a day. You underestimate what you can do in a year, right? So in a lifetime, you've amassed, you know, this, this kind of impact. Yeah. When I'm curious, what, when you hear the, all that back and you're thinking about the next steps in your career and the impact you want to make in the world, what, what is exciting you?
0: Well, I think, again, you said the right word there is life is an evolution that does not have a point of arrival. It's just the way it is and if you look at us and the way that we're hardwired biologically and we look at what the most significant uh, instinct that we have is it's actually seeking and so if that is true and it's hardwired into us then we're born to create and if it's hardwired biology then it's going to be there and it's going to be on our entire life so therefore I think some of us think that we should get to a place of tranquility of being where we're on cruise control. We satisfied everything, but you, you never get to that place. So for me, I'm still in the game. I'm 72. I don't know what that's supposed to look or, or feel like, but I don't feel like I have ever had more insights and aspirations now than I've ever had my like entire life. So it's a great place to be because I have a reason to get up every morning and that's to contribute what I know to other people to help shortcut their path to their bigger future. So it's really an ideal situation for me and I couldn't be more blessed to
1: have it. When I turned 60 last year, I went into my 60s on fire. Did not expect that. I thought when I got into my 60s, I was going to just going to be tired and kind of look like winding down and did not expect the 60s to be the best decade of my life that's yeah, crazy so you are my you are my spirit animal not only for coaching and for what you do but now what it can be like to be 72 which is which I'm coming up on that's yeah, crazy so we talk in the coaching world we talk about fixed mindset versus you know creative mindset or owner victim mindset right and you your version of that is kind of the human default mindset versus a champion mindset. Would you mind just kind of briefly discussing this? By the way, you went in depth on this in a conversation with Jim Quick on video and also with uh, James Whitaker on the Win the Day podcast. We're going to put those links into the show notes. So you can. if you can't get enough of Dr. Jeff Spencer, I'm giving you a ton of them. If you can explain that so it's a jumping off point to our conversation, that would be great.
0: Well, one thing I know about life experience that we humans all share is that there's this background battle that we wage every day within ourselves like should i do this should i do that it was too much it was too little what's next what should i put down how should i behave there's just this unsettling sense of incompleteness there's this restless soul syndrome that wants to be fulfilled in some way shape or form and the way that I look at this is that it's number one that's biologically derived it's not like a mental construct or something that's been put into us by someone else but if we kind of look at the biology here the first biology that we have is really our hardwired survival biology which is the fight-or-flight syndrome so to speak here because If we don't survive life, then aspirations don't matter because we're not going to aspire or create anything to begin with. So every moment of our lives, the first dibs at every moment is our fear-based survival instinct that's hardwired into us for self, physical, and emotional preservation, because that's paramount, that's the highest priority. But the caveat of that is, and it's understandable why that would be, because the difference between life or death can be a split second, which is faster than we can think. So we need something that can work on our behalf to save us in these moments of critical exposure. And so therefore it does that very well. Examples might be: well, if you drive a car through an intersection, somebody runs a red light, gonna T-bone you, and everybody gets killed. You somehow you turn away from it fast. You could not think fast enough to do that, but something's listening that enabled that to happen, that was faster than you can think. So that's an example of the physical biologic survival mechanism we have. And then psychologically, it would be, have you ever felt under siege or under threat by someone that said something that was very provocative or very aggressive, and you found yourself saying something back so quick that you don't remember even thinking about what you were going to say, but you said it? And how does that usually turn out? No, it never turns out well. Well, it's not supposed to, because it's a survival response to remain intact psychologically. So again, it was faster than we can think. And people would say, well, that wasn't me. Well, it came from you. So how can it not be you? Well, that's not the real me. Well, it's the survival you. We can say that, but it may not be the champion you. So we have a counterweight to that, which is also, also biologically hardwired that I believe is a, a highest biologically hardwired instinct that we have, and that's to be a seeker. And seeker means to be in pursuit of something and to be engaged creatively in the assembling of something of significance and value so that we can contribute to humanity and we can live a life of passion, purpose, productivity, and also prosperity. And so that is possible to create a life of excellence, to be a full potential player if we come from that source that looks at life completely different than our survival mechanisms that's only about self-like preservation so an example of that might be let's say you're given an opportunity well given an opportunity in the kind of human mindset self-preservation survivor side of things would be what do i stand to lose here you know it's extraordinarily pessimistic it's extraordinarily defensive it's limiting we don't want to share we don't want to give a hug it's cold don't touch me whereas when a champion like let's say the seeker the champion's mind not a mindset but a mind that living, breathing mind organism that thinks, interprets, routes, stores, edits, and conveys information in a very thoughtful and deliberate way, when we're given an opportunity, it's like, what do I stand to gain? It's optimistic. There's plenty of room for everybody. We can all win and we can all celebrate each other's wins. Come and let me share with you what I know to help you be the champion that you could be. So you can see that there are these contrasting ideas that are always there. And the point I'd like to make here is that you can't shut this off because mm-hmm. this is part of our biology then it's going to be on our entire life and to me it's a battle that we have to recognize and understand because if we identify with the survivor self as the real us which it is in survival situations then we are destined to a life of mediocrity because you can never create a life of value and contribution if you're responding to life through survival fear-based impulses you know there have to be these superhuman. Applications of certain things that don't come naturally to us that override the human mindset, our survival self, that eventually over time can create a life of intense value and intense conversation. This is a very important thing that we need to understand.
1: I, I can't wait for your next book because uh, there's there's so much wisdom in three sentences that I want to go back to, and I can't, you, know, you just drop it like it's so casually. What I really appreciate is that you say, like, you can't shut this off. A lot of times I get I get approached whenever I talk about it on a podcast about having my base or nature, having having those fears show up. I get coaches call me and say, Mark, I can help you with that, and I can help get rid of them. I'm like, I'm 60 years old. I haven't been able to get rid of them in <laughs> 60 years. And I've sat on mountains, done medicine journeys, beat pillows, you know, gone into my childhood that part of me is still here. But what you say is we, what we do is we transcend it. And what we can do is we, you know, again, that there's that rational mind. And if we, and if we practice, and if we do the things we need to do, we can transcend it more often than not. Right. We're kind of like averages. Like, as you say, when you take an Olympic athlete, that baser nature is there. You help them transcend it for the time that they're going for the gold medal. Right
0: yeah because i mean it's still going to be there i mean being an olympian myself i mean the boogeyman was inside my head in the olympics but there's two things that i knew it's like i didn't need to shut that off for me to perform at my highest level because then i'm playing its game you know my game is to return and to take action on what history has proven us to be true to be able to do it has to go right to convert the opportunity into immediate success so again you know, we do have a lot of control over this, as long as we don't engage in the battle and think that that has to go away before we take the right action. Because we don't.
1: Right. Actually, the main reason I'm a coach, the main reason I do this podcast and write anything and do anything, is because when I was when I was striving to be successful, I was striving to be successful out of a survival. I was homeless at one point, and I ever wanted to be that guy again, right? So I drove myself to success and crashed and burned. And I watched people pay the price to be in the 1% to the left and right of me. And I watched marriages crumble. I watched health and mental health crumble. I watched people die in that process. So your version of success is different, right? So, so tell me about what your relationship with burnout and ambition and success
0: Well, I think it depends on how we define that. I mean, if we look at success, I mean, there's all sorts of measures. It could be one, it could be a financial goal. It could be some aspiration fulfilled. It could be a life of tranquility and calm. I mean, there's all sorts of ways of looking at this. But the main thing that I see about this is that burnout is 100% preventable, that most of us are driven in our aspirations out of fear of what will not happen if we don't get to the finish line. And we have this idea that another mythology that comes from the human survival perspective is that if we don't put enough time and energy into this, then we don't deserve to win, which is a complete lie also. You you blow yourself up. You have no value to yourself or anybody else. You're not going to create a legacy item. You're not going to leave a legacy that people can look at. So there's absolute 100% mythology associated with this. And quite honestly, the perspective that that we need on this is that you want to continue to acquire your skills and give yourself a chance to learn the skills by not being too ambitious too quickly. And so when you're developing the skills that create a readiness to capitalize on the most significant number and magnitude of successes over time, then you're able to gain confidence in yourself. You're able to live a long and prosperous life that uh, has many different victories that you've created for yourself by being measured in how you look at time and effort and where it's expended. Otherwise, you're going to blow yourself up. And you got about 20 or 30 years of functional reserve on board physically and psychologically before you blow yourself up. So that another trick that the body plays on us is that the nervous system makes us feel how we are. The absence of having suffered or blown ourselves up yet means that everything's okay. It doesn't because we're losing capacity over time, but we don't know it because the nervous system only reveals to us something of sufficient magnitude for turn the nerves on to let us know what's there. So you could be running on fumes and not even know it and get up the next day. And with adrenal burnout, which is automatically you're 12 months out of the game recovering from that. So we really need a proactive view of the cumulative impact of stress and strain over time. And not buy into the mythology of the survival mind that it hasn't hurt me so far, therefore I'm okay. Because that that just that
1: just blew my. You just blew like we talk about this. My last podcast was mastering midlife, right? And I and I what I said in that podcast was. was, Was you know the drives and motivations that got us to our success in our twenties and thirties turn us on us in our forties and fifties, right? Yes, and you is. just and you just said that we have this reserve. Our body can go for twenty or thirty years with us abusing it, with us not paying attention to it. But once we cross over, like we're done. And you just you just in a succinct way explained midlife crisis, burnout, adrenal fatigue. You know we're going along fine. We think we're fine. Our bodies take care of us. you know up up until forty, we you know our bodies take care of us. after forty, we take care of our bodies. You just explain that so exquisitely. so if you're if you think you're running and gunning and you're fine on three hours' sleep, you know, mcdonald's and and all that stuff, it does catch up to you. your Our bodies are kind of amazing that it could keep us going like that.
0: You're going to blow. It's only a matter of time. and the time where you need to investigate what the hidden time bomb is is when you got the time to do it. Otherwise, it's going to be a forced sabbatical. And the time that we lose and the stature and the credibility that we lose through a venerable problem like that you know, can't be underestimated. And again, the biggest boogeyman in all of this is that we think that if we go slow, we're going to lose because everybody else that's running faster is going to get all the goodies and we're going to get left behind. And nothing could be farther from the truth you know we need to learn to develop confidence and certainty in ourselves we need to know that we're not at the end of the puppet master pulling our strings to you know go for what i call the hustlers hoax where we feel that more faster quicker gets us to the finish line with greater ease the more stuff we get it's complete fabrication because the reality is is that If you pace yourself over time and you're developing your skills to a capacity where you learn how to win the game, then you still got a huge runway in front of you to amass a lifetime of experiences that few people will ever experience in their entire life. But to do that, you have to be able to identify the mythology of what most people and experts say is the way to get there. It may seem correct, but unfortunately, it's never delivered on its promise.
1: So what's the alternative to the hustler's hoax? We, have, we hear we hear Gary Vaynerchuk, we hear Grant Cardone. You know, if you're not up at two o'clock in the morning, somebody... It's, un-
0: it's unadulterated garbage. That is, anybody that says that is an idiot, in my opinion, because <laughs> that is a fabrication of reality. It's a fa- absolute fallacy, fabrication of reality. You're actually supporting someone, perhaps even one step before they make the breakthrough and they blow themselves up in three ways. Number one, they have a catastrophic relationship failure. Because they didn't nurture the relationship along the way. Because they just needed to get to someplace and then they were going to make everything okay. I mean, everybody's heard the story, or they have a catastrophic health event. You know, people are having heart attacks and strokes in their late 30s and early 40s. That's all preventable. You know, just when you're getting your momentum, then you blow yourself up, forget about it, or financial ruin. You go all in on something, trying to get something back or try to keep running at the pace at the front, and you you risk everything and you ultimately suffer the fate of that so that's 100 percent garbage Thank the you. idea it is it's unadulterated garbage you know so the point about this is is that when we take the time quite honestly the recovery from life's exposure is what builds you back to a better both psychologically and physically you know being an olympic athlete it wasn't your training that made you better it was giving yourself enough time to recover between hard training efforts that built you back stronger. And it's exactly the same thing. You know, if, if we know how to win the game of achievement and we pace ourselves correctly, and what happens during the pauses in the restoration is where we creatively open ourselves up through receivership to get better ideas. Because if we don't pause, you can't get better ideas. You're on the hamster wheel chasing something. That may have become obsolete, or what comes after this, you may not know. So, the effort versus the recovery has to be in favor of the recovery because that's what creates longevity. Plus, it's what gives you the big idea that really makes the distinction and the difference between you and the others. It allows you to create your own specific platform that is unique to you being one individual of 800 billion on this planet, and there's only one of you. But if we're not listening, because we're always chasing and looking under every rock. You know how much time and energy it takes to do that? But yet, if we stand in a receivership and we pause and we reflect and we petition for insight to see what next is, then you could be gifted with that for free. And that could be the very thing that creates your moment and your contribution to humanity that lives on forever. We can oh, never forget that.
1: must slow you down. Again, because... You- you're driving a you're driving a truck through so many profound statements but let's let's stick with receivership for now you know cuz you just threw Good that time. you just threw that term out there what do you mean by receivership well
0: there's a couple of ways of doing things and the way that i see this is that our untapped potentials those things that we don't even know exist like i had no idea i had the ability to become an olympic cyclist i stumbled into it because i was invited on a bicycle ride by a friend to go with a competitive group of riders and i essentially killed them on the ride and they were tired and I wasn't. So I clearly saw a potential there that I had no knowledge of that became the vehicle for me becoming an Olympian. But the only reason why I knew that is that I stood in receivership to contemplate an opportunity to do something that I'd never done before. And I've also had moments like in my artistic glass career where I realized that in the process of the creation of a piece that I had visualized, if I made receptive to a better idea that presented itself during the execution of the piece and I followed that, then the artwork would become so superior to anything that I would have come up with on my own that it was not even comparable to difference. So to me, receivership is everything because it's free.
1: Yeah, but all I'm still, not, hold do... on, hold on. I'm still not getting, so I, I we all live a life of grasping. I want to get this. I want to get that. I want to do this. I have to write this book. I have to get on this stage. I have to do these things. And what you're saying is there's another way of accomplishing the same thing. And you're calling it receivership. That is that is correct. Slowing down to allow these things. So I I would love for you to just go further into that for me.
0: It's it's actually a pause. So let's sort of look at this. If you're talking about the grasping and the pushing for everything faster and faster and faster, that takes a ton of energy. And hyperfocus, where we cone down on something, it takes a lot of energy, but it also restricts and negates our peripheral vision, where better ideas may show up, where warning signs of catastrophe may be starting to form, where we can avoid preventable problems. And all I'm saying is that if you're in hyperfocus and you're chasing things, then that's all you do, you're consuming tons of energy that increase the risk of an amateurish mental error where you can lose months or years of effort instantaneously. You can miss opportunities that could take you to a bigger, better, faster. And it's hard to say, well, I'm going to pause and reflect what I'm going to do as a human. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to open my soul and I'm going to open my intellect and I'm going to stand in receivership and I'm going to invite New ideas to come into my consciousness with which I will extend 100% guarantee that I will look at everything that shows up. And those things that I have a gravity towards that show me next, I will recognize it through resonant recognition. And that is the free gift that is given to us, but it's not going to be given to us if our energy and our time is spent chasing everything and looking under each rock. You don't need to do that. You need to save your energy so when next shows up you recognize it it's gifted to you for free it's bigger and better than anything that you could have previously conceived of yourself and it could be the thing that distinguishes you and your contribution to humanity enriches your life and that's what receivership is all about
1: how do you get yourself into a better state to receive to to have that resi- stumbling over my words to, yeah, to to and to have that resonation with 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 something so that you know that it's it's for you. Because again, we're 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 so trained on going too fast. Mythology, what mythology. What, right? What, it, it, what it never delivers. What never delivers. do you do you do you suggest to people to hone their receivership?
0: Well, as I said before, we take you know, one of the things that I want to say is that this is not natural to the human experience. The natural human life is to be chasing and being driven by your compulsive emotions and your impulsive fear, if we really look at it. And there's no future to create a life of excellence based on that. So when we take the time to pull ourselves out of circulation, for example, and take a pause throughout the day, first thing in the morning, like I do, last thing at night, I practice it throughout the day where I, pause myself deliberately for a period of time and I look at my mind and I slow my mind down where I'm kind of being in a place of passive receivership where I'm not looking for anything, I'm not pursuing anything. But the sentiment that we're extending is an openness of soul, intellect, and heart to be in receivership, we're inviting ideas to come into our consciousness. And we're making a deal. Anything that shows up, I'm going to give it a look. And when things start to show up that are unanticipated, then some things we may not be sure about. So we park them in the garage. Certain things that aren't for now while well, we kind of put them aside. But if there's something that has a resonance with this meaning that our energy increases, our curiosity is amplified, and we have a knowing that this is next, then it's been gifted to us that's free. There's other ways that we can do this on our schedule. We can also program into it proximity to people, places, and things that we're not familiar with. This should be an item that everybody puts on their calendar. I'm going to go do something that I've never done before. Why do you want to do that? You could be spending all your time on doing something that you know that you can advance making it better. I'm sorry. That's a waste of time at a certain point. We take the time to schedule something you've never done before. Expose yourself to newness because you may see something that is a hidden talent that you didn't have mm-hmm. that you didn't know even existed. Or the idea might pop into your head. I mean, where the best ideas pop into your head? Well, it's in the morning when you're putting on your makeup or you're shaving and you're thinking about shaving while your mind is idle, then something pops into your head. It's usually never staring at the computer. That's iteration. That's fulfilling tasks. That's consuming energy and all that sort of stuff. So the other way that we can do this is to follow the gravity. If something shows up where you have kind of a magnetic pull, like, hey, I have a curiosity about that, I think that we should pursue it because, again that could be universe providence with a capital p offering something that we can't see for ourselves. that's an advocate for us that acts as a crystal ball that's gifted to us that if we follow it more often than not because life never unfolds never happens the way you think that it's going to 90 percent of what we think is going to happen never does and so when we recognize first because we're not too busy in our brain that there is a gravity there if we investigate that I think you'd be really surprised at the revelations and insights that you get into your potentials that you didn't even know that existed. But also, it's a path to a bigger, better that you can never give yourself.
1: Amazing. So That's so interesting. The gravity piece is really interesting to me. The way I became a podcaster was I was meditating one day. And I there was you go. I, I was supposed to write in my next book. I was going to write the book, Mastering Midlife. Sitting on my cushion, and I hear, I just hear, Start a podcast. And I was like, oh, there you go. I was like, that ain't happening. So I, I, I grabbed, I had the anti-gravity. It was that ain't happening. I sound like a male Fran Drescher. There's no way I'm getting on a microphone. I'm not doing a podcast. Next morning I'm meditating. Start a podcast. Like, that ain't happening. Third day, start a podcast. Like, thank you. Just move aside. Then I go coach one of my clients. And my client says, Oh, we just bought a podcasting company. I'm like, that's funny. I've been hearing this voice as it started podcast because we can set you up. We got this. I know exactly who you should talk to and all this stuff. And five hundred and fifty episodes later, right? So that was in receivership, but that's correct. Uh, the fear and all of that other stuff came in to actually push me away. But I was listening, and the universe, people, you know, whatever, whatever it was, came together to make this happen.
0: And it turns out I'm good at it. Your natural state wants to. Well, of course, I mean, that's the way that it goes. but, But you'll notice that the natural impulse when that showed up was to reject it because it didn't offer anything to you. But yet it was presenting itself with one of the best ideas ever. So the idea of receivership is to really get yourself out of the way. And you make a promise to not exclude or decide too quickly what the merits of something are. Because life is usually not what we think it is. And all the great stuff always comes from a perspective or a direction that we never can
1: anticipate, quite honestly. So what you're saying is slow down, listen. So, And however a person would slow down, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, whether it's walking in nature, you know, whatever they do to slow down, listen. As things come through, consider and look at and kind of do a little triage on it and then feel into what might be next. Yeah, so the most
0: important thing is the activity doesn't matter. You can be standing on the line. You could be on a subway in New York City, and you could check in with yourself and put yourself into receivership because receivership is where you, the conscious observer, is directing your receiver in your antenna towards an openness that anything that would land, you would be able to see what that is, and it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You could do that any place like any time, but it's a skill that doesn't come naturally to us because our impulse is that's wasting time. You know, here are daydreaming again when you should putting your that extra time into something that's constructive, that's going to advance your life. I mean, anytime I hear that, I realize that the person doesn't get what they're saying, quite honestly. They don't know how to win. They don't know how to play the bigger game, you know, which very few people do, quite honestly.
1: I can feel it actually fills rather than depletes.
0: Yeah, I know. But it it tries to trick us into feeling that it's a depletion because how do you think that you deserve to get anywhere if you're spending your time daydreaming? I mean, that's exactly what the fear-based survival, survivor mind wants to make you think. So the trickster is always there trying to talk us into the wrong way of doing things because it gets first dibs at every moment. But as soon as we sort of understand its game, then it gives us a different sort of leverage against our bigger future.
1: So the gun ear would say, oh, this is just kind of new age law of attraction kind of stuff. But if you really sit with it for, for enough time, you can see, you know, Jeff coaches like people who are not new agey, you know, people who are playing the law of attraction game as it's, as it's advertised on YouTube. He's actually takes some of the most successful people on the face of the planet and show them how to do those things with ease and with grace and, and longevity. So it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely breathtaking. When you say you don't have, you know, I heard James Whitaker say to you, you ask about goals and you said, you know, I don't have goals. I have callings. Is this what you're talking about?
0: Yeah. It's like people ask me, well, what sort of goals do you pursue? I said, I don't pursue goals. I answer callings because I know, and I mean, the Olympics called me to investigate and I showed up for duty and I did what it took it took 10 years to get there but yet you know I was subservient because I was open to a possibility I saw an untapped potential that allowed me to do it uh, I honored the privilege of being gifted with that possibility and I did the same thing showing my art glass in the best galleries in New York City and you know all the other stuff that I've done is purely been out of this being a receivership and showing up as a a willing person to do whatever is, you know, required to honor it. So, you know, again, there's a very difficult, well, there's one way of doing a pro-aging life and that's to pursue everything with vigor to try to make everything happen. That is a life of ongoing frustration that pro ages a person and there's never enough energy. But what I do know is that when we stand in receivership, which actually becomes my client's most favorite word, not because I told him to believe it. But when they realize, you know, hey, I'm the founder of this company and I can go away on a three week vacation and I can come back and nothing's changed. I never thought that I could do that, you know, and that's not uncommon for me to do because we have to present the opportunity and test the hypothesis to realize that we don't need to do what we're being told to do to get to where we want to get to. And when we stand in receivership of the gift, there's always going to be enough energy to do whatever is necessary when you show up in receivership, but you also show up in a state of being with a willingness to honor the privilege of engaging it and nurturing it and cultivating it to be able to manifest it. And to me, that's one of the greatest uh, honors and privileges in the human experience.
1: I feel like a broken toy because as, as, I, <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I go over everything you're, and apply it to my own life, Everything worthwhile that I've done, I have, or experienced has been through receivership, whether it was getting sober, whether it was starting a family. I was de- like, like I shouldn't have a family. I shouldn't be a father. I shouldn't be those things. But I had a calling to do that. When I went in, when I was going into my sixties, I made a decision to let go of a bunch of stuff from my 50s. I just didn't want to bring it into my 60s. I had no plan for my 60s. I just wanted to let go of a bunch of stuff that was weighing me down. What happened was the Rising Leader uh, program showed up. This whole Rising Leader thing was not something I planned. And when it presented itself to me, it presented it to me, I said, no way. I am not a leadership coach. I am not hanging from, from rocks and you know, I'm not David Goggins and I'm not, I'm not a leader like that's, and that inner voice was, but this is your next chapter. And I just surrendered to it and just changed everything to it. I got a tattoo on my arm so that I would never forget what I received, Mm -hmm. right? But so so the reason I say I feel like I'm broken and I'm wondering if people who are listening are thinking the same thing is when I hear the ideas, they scare me. They usually are outside of my comfort zone, outside of what I think I'm capable of. And when I'm scared, that's usually when I know I'm up to something bigger and worthwhile. Because that's just how I've been my whole life, right? I, so I'm curious, does, it, does that come show up in your coaching and with the people that you work with? Do they get well, scared one. of these things that are presented to them? Well, that's predictive. That's 100% predictable. Why? Well, because our first
0: dibs at life is our survival filter. And so if we have a hardwired survival filter that's on 24 hours a day, Naturally, it's going to be afraid against anything that doesn't resonate with what it believes to be true about success or getting to a life of fulfillment. Which is what it's push harder, it's use more energy, it's one, it's bad enough. It's hyper focus. Keep your eye on the ball. Don't take your eye off the ball. You got to want it bad enough. You know that's the mythology. But of course, anything that's different than that was, is what you would expect from the seeker mentality, the champion's mind it's completely opposite that so naturally our first dib survivor self is going to have an objection to that and that's why we're scared but the scared is not really the real us the real us recognizes what it really is we know we already know that but we have this other side that's the conflict that's the battle so when we recognize oh yeah well that's my survivor self trying to talk me out of the champion seeker side of creating a life of value and becoming a self-manifestor of full potential then it makes sense. That's why if we don't understand this biology and we identify with the survivor as us, Mm. rather than a biology that's there to protect us, then you're always going to be in doubt about what you believe about yourself. And that's why understanding this duality of how we're constructed from a biological standpoint is absolutely essential. Because you can't shut it off. But if you recognize, hey, that's the imposter me. This is the real imposter syndrome. The real imposter syndrome is not the syndrome that people are talking about. The real imposter syndrome is that we believe that the survivor self is the real us, when it's not. The real us is a seeker self. That's about full potential play. That's what we're talking about here.
1: So, you just, you just, I've heard people talk about imposter syndrome over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Of course it's imposter syndrome, because that old condition, we're not being that old condition self, so we are an imposter to ourselves. Exactly right. It, Like taking up resonance in us doesn't want an eviction
0: notice. It's sort of comfortable. As long as you play the game my way, you're going to feel okay, but you really don't feel okay because you know something's missing, right? Well, if I'm okay, well, why is it that I feel like, number one, I don't live the life of joy that I would like to have? Why is it that I'm underperforming professionally? Why is that? Well, that's a good question. And so, again, we see that if we understand this biology here, Then, and we also understand you can't shut it off. Then we could recognize, oh, well, I kind of expect, like with my clients, it's like, I tell them, look, this is what we're going to be doing here. But you need to expect that the survivor self is going to show up and it's going to tell you this. So just be on the lookout because when it shows up, we just need to identify it as a survivor that we as the seeker with the champion's mind will move on to our full potential play. We have to understand that fundamentally.
1: You're killing me with so simple. And so, so wise, really, this is, I can't wait for your book, anything oh, I can do to help you get your next book out. I am all in. All right. You're in. So I'm curious no. when, when people walk away from you, you meet someone when, when you, when you have an, what do you want people to feel? What do you want them to say about the experience? You know, what do you want to leave people with?
0: Well, number one, um, I don't think about that as much as I think about what is it that I can share with them that I know to be true, that if they understand this, then they have a chance to become a full potential player. Because, you know, I've been in the game. It's not really a game, but my calibration is about gold medals. You know, as an Olympian, I'm not calibrated towards silver or bronze. I mean, I'm not (laughs) saying that there's no value there, but I, I can barely get myself to say that just because of the way that I'm hardwired and what i really want people to understand is that you know playing the bigger game it's an applied behavior that is not natural it's supernatural a natural life is whining complaining sniveling not being confident settling for less that's a natural life game that's free you don't need to do anything just follow your impulses and your intellect and your emotions that are subject to bias only going to live a life of mediocrity, frustration, and confusion. But if we see that we have this other way, this superhuman side of us that needs to be applied to be maintained, then all of a sudden it changes the game completely. And I just want people to know that there is something behind this. See, people think, look, all this stuff that's happening, the way we think is put into us, I'd say, are you sure? You know, maybe it's already there, but it gets turned on by things outside of ourselves. So, you know, I'm not convinced that everything that we see is put into us. I think that it's kind of already there. And we need to recognize it is there that can be reinforced by other people as it's things. I get that. But I want people to really understand here is that your life is not insignificant because there's only one of you in all the creation. There's 8 million people on this planet right now. There has been 350 billion people in the human species since the first got put on this earth. And there's only one of you. Nobody can make your contribution. Nobody has your perspective. Nobody has what you have to make that unique contribution to humanity to live a life well lived simultaneously. And when we connect with that and we don't compare ourselves against others' value, but am I showing up and am I honoring my distinction and my uniqueness? Am I building a life based on that? without comparison, then you start to fill the vacuum of a life unfulfilled to a life of meaning and a life of purpose. And when we do that, then we touch people in ways that you would never, ever, ever have conceived of. And let's make sure that we don't put a determination and a judgment against the value that we bring based upon what we perceive the value that we bring is. Why don't we just show up and do our job? And wherever that goes, I don't believe that there's not people out there that need to hear what we have to say as the individual that only we are qualified to say. I don't believe that. And I do believe that if you understand that there's a biology here, if we understand the biology, we understand the mechanisms, we understand receivership from too much push too often, we don't blow ourselves up. We use pacing. We look at the evidence, historical evidence. History doesn't lie. Our emotions and our intellect Are subject to bias they're they're not completely reliable that's what i want people to understand from me what do i want people to say about me simple i showed up i answered the call fearlessly i did that adopting our daughter you know i was 58 we adopted a 10 year old from columbia now i put my career on hold for 10 12 years why well because i got the call. because because i got the calling Mm -hmm. yeah well what about what you gave up i didn't give up anything What do you mean? I showed up for duty and whatever the cost and the consequences are. I don't care. Because what that means is that I can walk off the field knowing one thing. There's nothing more that I could have possibly done in life because I freaking answered the call. No regrets, man. I want everybody to understand that there's a tranquility of being that comes with that. There's an invincibility because when you have that then all the other yardsticks that we can be held hostage by evaporate and fade away we're no longer subject to that criteria we're subject to another way of doing things and all I can tell you is that on the other side of that the richness that we get from life's experience knowing that we showed up for duty I don't know how you put a price on that quite honestly and that's what I want people to recognize from me I'm not on a rampage in a pilgrimage to convert people I'm there to share with them what history has revealed to be true that gives us a chance to cultivate and grow our uniqueness so that we can live a life of, again, value and contribution. Nobody is insignificant on this planet. Nobody.
1: There's your gold medal talk. I am leaving your conversation. I've had tears in my eyes almost the entire time we're talking. The beauty in which you... you speak about the human spirit and the human condition is breathtaking i'm i'm i am tainted and cynical when it comes to a lot of this so to have me in tears is is a big deal if people want more of you where can they find you
0: well thanks again mark for the opportunity here best location at this point is www.drjeffspencer.com dot com. And if you're interested in having a conversation, then, you know, please kind of follow the application process. No obligation, but just give us a chance to talk and and see what's on top of your mind. Um, Great. Again, Mark, it's been an amazing conversation. If I just may, may say one last thing here is that there's always room at the top for the best. And regardless of the circumstances that are out there and our best is what we decide our gold medal is. And when we know it because we recognize it, we honor it by receiving it, and we find a path and we have uh, a loyalty and a commitment and a fastidiousness to be able to honor it by pursuing it and manifesting it, then what we've done is three things. We've honored life's potential that's unique to us, we've thanked everybody that's helped us in life our friends, our family, our benefactors, our mentors that gave selflessly of this, every time we succeed, it makes them proud because they played a role in that. And finally, the most important reason why it matters is that in today's world, it can't descend fast enough into mediocrity, mm. where we're giving up our distinction and our uniqueness. We need beacons of hope, sanity, and courage. And we can do that by showing up, answering those callings. Thanks, Mark. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Yeah, Well. Yeah. I, I'll let you talk for another hour if you want to, but thank you for this. If you're listening, I really suggest you listen to this a second time. There was so much wisdom dropped and so many distinctions that I would want to take notes on to remember and to explore further for myself because there was a lot of contemplation in, in this conversation. If you want to learn more, I'm going to put the the links to James Whitaker's conversation because mm. he actually asked a lot of personal con- questions of 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 jeff so that you can get to know him a little better because it was a, a little longer of a podcast and also with jim quick's podcast really really good stuff thank you for taking the time your time and attention are precious to me i love you a ton have a great rest of the day
0: i catch you big love be well everybody
1: Thank you for joining today's conversation. If you got value, please share the episode, give us a thumbs up, write us a review. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question that you have, send them my way. Look forward to connecting on the next episode of the Rising Leader Podcast.